You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. All right. Welcome to the first during the season of 2022 edition of Sharing Socks. I am uh, Southside Sox duty geezer Lee Allen, currently the Ohio Valley correspondent, uh, Wallstadt Daughter's House in the Cincinnati area. And with me, my son and West Coast correspondent, Will, who uh, I understand is going free, free, you understand. The Jackie Robinson Day at the appropriate place for Jackie Robinson Day, although not geographically, not geographically, <laughs> <laughs> at Dodger Stadium. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Got the hookup. Going to be right in the action. Very excited. Jackie Robinson Day is my favorite game of the year, always. This year, I think everyone is even wearing the Dodgers Jackie Robinson jersey for the 75th anniversary. So that's going to be a little confusing when somebody slides into second base. <laughs> definitely could be. I'm I'm very excited to to see what that looks like and see if you know we, if the announcers go with it. If it's you know Jackie Robinson slides into second, tagged out by Jackie Robinson, throw over to first. Jackie Robinson uh, gets the force out before Jackie Robinson gets to first base. That's an exciting day of baseball. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, having having once announced basketball games in Mennonite territory where all of the kids on one team had the same last name <laughs> and three of them had the same first name, <laughs> I understand wow. the difficulty of that for the announcer. <laughs> that is tough. That is tough. All right. Let's talk White Sox. Three and one record after the start of the season. Not shabby. Playing well. Luis Robert. Uh I guess needs teammates, but I'm not sure why. <laughs> Man, what a start for Luis. 
I mean, he he single-handedly won uh, the home opener. Uh, that offensively, defensively, everything offensively, base running, you you name it. Um, you you mentioned him as as MVP uh, candidate. He certainly is that. I think Otani, you know, if Luis could just pitch, you now just occasionally. Uh, honestly, I, I though, in- honestly, what what we saw from Luis yesterday can can overcome the Otani bump. Because let's say Otani has a great offensive season again, and let's say he has a great pitching season again, but they're about the same range they were last year. If Luis keeps doing what he is doing right now, he can overcome the Otani thing by having a vastly superior season in all the other ways. The the thing that really stood out to me yesterday was Luis getting on base and stealing two bases right away. This is this is something I think people don't understand is the base running and the speed involved uh with someone like Luis Robert who is a tank. He is a tank. This is not, you know, Dyson or or, or Kemp, the little guys who who we've known can steal bases. This isn't even Acuña Jr. This is a guy who is absolutely massive in terms of muscle and has not lost a step as he's gotten bigger, uh, has only gotten faster, has only gotten more perceptive on the bases. I realize it's very, very early to say that, you know, Luis is going to do this every time he's on base. But the fact that he even did it this early, you know, we don't see a ton of stolen against bases Against a good defensive anymore. catcher. Yeah, against a guy who's not a joke, not, a, not just a rollover guy. You know, there are some catchers where Luis is probably going to run every time, no matter what. But we don't see a ton of stolen bases like that these days. So to come out and, and steal two and essentially get your team the victory because of it, you know, base running was weirdly a, a huge factor in the win yesterday, not only with Luis stealing the bases, but with Eloy uh, running out a, a grounder in which they probably should have gotten him. And, he just ran faster than we've ever seen him run before. And uh, I think t- people do sleep on Eloy's speed just uh, because he looks so slow in the outfield. Um, I think he is actually a little faster on the bases. But what we saw from Luis Robert yesterday, and of course the home run ball that was just purely muscled out of the park. I mean, that that thing felt like it got out of there in under one second. Uh he's just an extraordinary. And then you add in that catch, which, you know, he slams into the wall. That that was two runs. 100%. 100%. He, he, as you said a moment ago, single-handedly won this home opener for them. I mean, he he did it all. And really saved Vince Velasquez uh, from going. Vince Velasquez went four innings of one run. Hey, that's pretty good. And it would have been four innings of at least three runs, maybe more. Hey, that's pretty bad. So... Yeah, um, I, I mean, honestly, if we're talking about Vince Velasquez's expectations, three runs over four innings, I'll still take. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he he absolutely uh, bailed him out. We I mean, we saw a great catch from Eloy yesterday in in the outfield as well. Uh, a lot of pitchers tipping hats to the outfielders, which I think is something we're going to see a lot of on days four and five of this rotation. <laughs> I think we need to get used Except to the Except then the pitchers. pitch falls out of the hat, and they've got to get go down and dig it out of the dirt <laughs> right. and it and everything. <laughs> right. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the big thing that came out of yesterday was, uh, was Eloy, what, or was, was Luis, was just seeing Luis do exactly what we all thought he could do. I saw a stat comparison today between, uh, the last 50 games played by Luis versus the last 50 games played by Mike Trout. And Luis is pretty far ahead of him in every single category. Uh, so I, I don't think our dreams of MVP, I, I have been saying from well, the tell, second. You know, speaking of a lawyer, yeah. we have to make sure that he doesn't crash into our MVP candidate, which they've had one collision, but it wasn't particularly harsh. Uh, but you know, it's one in four days. Yeah, I think it's, it's one of those scenarios where, uh, you know, we they were talking about, I was watching the Royals game, uh, I think it was the other day, and they had Bobby Witt Jr. playing third base, and he he essentially said uh, to Mondesi, you know, I've got everything to your backhand. I've got every ball, so you only need to play up the middle. Uh, and I feel like that is the relationship we really need to establish with Eloy is you only move to the right. <laughs> when the ball is coming to you, you only can go this way. If it is five steps that way, it's Luis's ball. If it's one step that way, it's Luis's we needed ball. To say that to our to our right fielders last year. Well, we may again. You know, Pollock is a very injury prone guy, and here he is out already. Uh, I think part of the reason they went to the IL was he is having some paternity leave anyway, but. Still, there was not a good sign that he does even slight hamstring damage because he's got a bad hamstring history. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think one of the, the things to really take away from these first four games, which are really, you know, we're, we're a, a ball going off of Pollock's glove away from a, a 4-0 start here in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I think the thing to really appreciate about this is we have we are not even close to full strength not even close not even sort of close everybody is kind of out right now (laughs) it feels like it's always like that with this team uh but with Pollock out starting without Tim we haven't seen Moncada yet uh you know Giolito is out we haven't seen Lynn pitch uh we're not gonna see Lynn pitch for a while uh, Lucas, I think we get back in a few weeks, a couple weeks. Moncada, I think we get back in a, a couple weeks here. Uh, but the fact that this is a three and one team without playing even anywhere near a full strength lineup is, is and then, and, and pretty Seattle's great. And a, a good team, although Seattle has not hit a lick all year. They, they didn't hit anything up in Minnesota either. Um, they will eventually do that. Detroit. You know, there's a lot of talk about Detroit's made these changes, and they made some. I mean, obviously, getting Baez and, and Efrod uh, were important moves. I thought they looked awful. I thought they looked like a little league team out there. They they defensively were incompetent, and Seattle gave the game sure. away yesterday. Uh, so the, the defense is. Oh, and speaking of defense, I enjoyed watching in two games a backup catcher whose back I never saw. I never saw him running back to the screen to pick up the ball that went between his legs or off his glove or off his shoulder or <laughs> off the end of his mitt or any of these yeah. other things. Oh, and I also saw the stat today. I don't know if you saw this, but he is in the 100th percentile for pitch framing this year. 
which I realize is uh, we have a very short sample size, but to be the best, uh, even with a short sample size is pretty encouraging considering uh, I saw a tweet that just after yesterday's game that just said what we were all thinking, which was, I can't believe the Blue Jays willingly swapped Reese McGuire for, for Zach Collins. Now we know why they did it, but it's still, it's still crazy. <laughs> yeah, he was their number four catcher, but he's very much our number two. And so. also, I realize Reese comes with the baggage from that weird arrest a couple of years ago. Uh, I've done a deep dive on that arrest, and honestly, it doesn't seem like anything other than just like a weird, stupid thing. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't doing anything inappropriate directly in front of people or anything like that. It was just he was in his car and it was stupid. It was incredibly it was, stupid. Yeah, but I, I'm not sure it was. And an insult to Dollar General, we might add. True, true. Uh, but I'm not sure it was anything more than just incredibly stupid and gross and dumb. Uh, Speaking of insults. Yeah. I mentioned this when we were chatting before we went on. I think it was an insult to Dallas Keuchel. And I know he pitched terribly last year. We all wish he wasn't even on the team this year. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. He's going to be pitching tonight. We're recording Wednesday afternoon. If if there's a game tonight, the weather does not look good. Uh, but to have Vince Velasquez, it's not like you had say Johnny Cueto as the alternative for home opener. To pitch Velasquez instead of Keiko for the home opener and shuffle Keiko back, I think that was rude. I, I I think that was just rude on the part. They're both going to pitch anyway. It's not like it made a difference in in game outcomes. Uh, and uh, you you just kind of putting a little stab in the guy, and for no reason. Well, we totally disagree on this. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking, I know, but this is one where we uh, we do totally disagree. I think if we are sitting here after Dallas Keuchel pitches the home opener, we're talking about a two and two team instead of a three and one team. Uh, Keuchel is terrible. I mean, Keuchel is terrible. There's there's no question mark. So really it. is Velasquez. However, <laughs> Velasquez was a question mark. Keuchel is not a question mark. <laughs> so, you know, Velasquez was probably realistically on a pretty short leash yesterday. Uh, I, I would think that if he had shown earlier signs of, of worse things happening, we get to Ronaldo Lopez sooner. Uh, we we got we got four innings. We got one run out of Velasquez. Do I expect it ever to be that smooth again? No, I don't. But the thing to and consider it was lucky. is very lucky. It was lucky, but at the same time, he got it done. He got it done when he got in pressure situations. He still threw strikes. I uh, you know I think Velasquez is one of those pitchers where. As long as absolutely no one sees him a third time and most guys don't see him a second time, there's a chance he's okay. I, I, I think there's a world where a combo Lopez-Velasquez or Velasquez-Lopez kind of makes for an interesting starter, you know, if you put them both together. You kind of have them both pretty ready to go at the start of the game and then uh, bring in whoever's next after whoever starts, uh, if they're starting to blow it. 
I I kind of liked giving it to Velasquez. I kind of like saying, hey, dude, we're giving you the big game. You know, big game. But home opener, pretty big. We're giving you the big game. If you don't do it, we're probably never going to give you another big game. And in that regard, he did kind of come through. He was pitching with some intensity. He was clearly excited to be wearing a Sox uniform, to be pitching for the Sox. I didn't hate what I saw yesterday. Again, like you said, a lot of luck involved. A lot of luck involved. And not just luck. Uh, great defense from well, Luis. Well, yeah, I mean, that luck for the pitcher that, that, that Luis could make that play. Um, now, well, that's, not luck. Starting pitcher, that's not luck. It, no, that's not. It is for the pitcher. Luck. The pitcher's lucky they've got a center fielder that can make that play. Oh, he uh, knows who he's got out there. <laughs> uh, so I, I'll just let it hit 470 feet. Um, <laughs> other starting pitchers, Cease, terrific. It was Detroit. You got to go. Yeah, terrific, but <laughs> wait to see what he pitches against somebody else. Um, but he looked, he looked great, but he always looks great against the Tigers, so we don't know. Yeah, so, I, th- so I think we got to get was... to a point where we're just comfortable having Cease pitch the whole series against Detroit. Yes, I, I think of the whole season. Uh, Kopech was interesting to me in that he started to slide, and Ethan Katz came out and talked to him. And I'm not sure I've seen a bigger turnaround on a pitching coach coming out to talk to a starter than what happened then. I don't know what he told him. I don't know if it was something about his motion or something about your tipping pitches or just take a few deep breaths. You're, you're getting too nervous out there. Whatever it may have been, it was a complete turnaround. As soon as Cats came out, it was lights out. Yeah, so we've actually seen that um... – kind of happened a few times already with pitchers, uh, which is a very encouraging sign of when these guys are starting to lose it. We see Katz come out, and Katz, who is a true believer that the lip readers are passing along every word I've noticed. He comes out there, talks like this the whole time he's out there. Uh, but that is, a, I mean, that's a really good sign, especially with young pitchers that Katz is coming out saying something i don't know there's a uh there's a great moment in uh it, it's a cubs film so we won't talk about it too much but rookie of the year where uh 13 year old henry rowan gardner's on the mound and he's kind of falling apart and a legendary ace chet stedman goes out to give him some advice and he tells them about the hat to uh which is apparently just a move where you take off your hat you brush back your hair, you put it back on, and you go for it. And, uh, you know, he he tells me. Probably says, illegal now. He says, you got to use the have to. The how, the how to. And as he's walking away, Rowan Gardner says, what the hell was he talking about? And Chet Stedman goes, the have to. What the hell was I talking about? But it works. <laughs> so whatever Cat's saying, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It could be the have to. Uh, but it, it's working, and, and those guys are responding. Um, I do want to keep keep talking about this, but we should take our break now. Uh, we'll come back. We'll keep talking about pitchers. I think we should talk about the injuries a bit more uh, and, and what we face going forward and talk about some of the relief pitching we've seen, which has gone back and forth. It's, yeah, it's it's been it's been close. Raven, but, uh, incredible. The rest? Um, yeah, so we'll talk about that. We will be right back on Sharing Socks. 
It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back to Sharing Socks. Uh, we kind of did a little recap, uh, a lot of Luis praise, uh, some, some Eloy praise. I know Eloy listens to the podcast every week, so hi, Mom. Uh, for Eloy, but let's uh, let's keep talking about pitching. Um, obviously, we don't feel fully comfortable with Velasquez or uh, or Lopez necessarily yet. Obviously, don't feel, Montas. don't feel comfortable about uh, Keuchel yet. Montas, who seems to always be close to a trade with the White Sox and always very far from a trade uh, with the White Sox at this point, I I don't see anything happening there. Uh, I'd I'd be shocked because the White Sox have made it very clear they're not giving up Vaughn, and Vaughn is who Oakland wants. And they shouldn't. They should not give up Vaughn. It's absolutely true. They need a first baseman badly. They traded away a solid first baseman. I'm sure the White Sox counter with Gavin Sheets for starters. That can only be starters. There was the rumor that you'd passed along a couple days ago of tossing in uh, Jared Kelly. That's stupid. Why would they want him? Yeah. A, a level ERA is 255 or something. Um, now, I'm sure as soon as the White Sox say Sheets, the Oakland goes, okay, uh, that sounds good. Sheets and Cespedes. And the White Sox go, oh, no. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and they go, well, okay, uh, we can, we can, how about Sheets and Berger? Because they need a third baseman too. They traded each other. And Sheets and Berger and Colas. And the White Sox go, mm, I don't know. <laughs> and, and I just think it's, I, I think they're too far apart. And, and from the Oakland's point of view, their strength gets stronger. Their starting pitchers, we're not the only ones with starting pitchers hurt. Their starting pitchers hurt all over the league, including really good starting pitchers. And everybody's going to be looking at Frankie Montas. And so they, Oakland's in the driver's seat. They, they don't have to accept Big time. something unless they really like it. That's a hundred percent correct. There is Oakland does not have to get rid of Frankie Montas quickly at all by any means. In fact, having him play there a little bit could only help their case. And it gives the fans something to watch in Oakland this year. Uh, in the last, I think supposedly last year of that monstrosity of the stadium. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it will happen for the White Sox at all because what will happen is they'll just keep asking for these these names that we just cannot give them. I mean, if we give them Cespedes or, or Colos, you're talking about the 2030 White Sox being 40 and 122 uh, in the season. So you, you can't sell the entire farm. Um, 
I, and, I and, and other teams we'll have really good size. farm systems on which to draw. We don't. Exactly. And, and, and Colin Montgomery, teams, I, I guess they could ask for him. Sanch, I'm going to give him either. So. Right, right. And and when it comes to the trade deadline, we just aren't the kind of people who are. I mean, we, we have last year's Kimberl trade. We saw how well that went. And uh, I just don't consider the White Sox a player at the deadline really ever. And I definitely do not think they will be able to compete. The only way they can compete is if Han makes a stupid decision to get rid of someone like, like Vaughn, not like Vaughn, Vaughn, uh, which I think would be an absolute disaster of a decision. Uh, they're they're not, not going to let Vaughn go. Not, no, he's, he's, he's getting too too good. He's getting really comfortable. He's starting to look like a major league baseball player. I thought, I thought game two, I think I mean, he hit the big homer in game one, but in, in game two, he took an inside out swing against a right-hander. The homer was off a left-hander. We know he crushes left-handers uh, and, and get a solid line drive single to right. And I thought that's important because if he can start it's going where it's pitched with right-handers so that it's, I don't know, go to 500 ops or something, uh, gets up to something respectable against righties, like 700. It doesn't even have to be above average, uh, as long as he's still hitting you know, 900-something against lefties. Uh, so, but, and of course, we have no place to play him except out of position or DH, but still... But that's going to change. We've got a 35-year-old first baseman. So, you know. contract is up, so. Yeah, you're not, and I I don't see a world where they're going to offer him a monster extension. I think if they offer Jose any extension, he takes it. Uh, Just because I think he does love playing for the White Sox. Why would he want to go somewhere else at this point? But Vaughn, I think, is the first baseman of the future, and I totally agree. I, I think the two most interesting hits so far this season were Vaughn's single uh, against the right-handed batter and Grandal's <laughs> single to third base. Uh, <laughs> the, the true beat of the shift, whether it was intentional or not, if Grandal can do that once a month, then these defenses have to play him differently. Well, and I've, I, of course, I've said that about everybody. Every left-handed right. power hitter, they should, once every couple of weeks, once, just occasionally hit something to left field. It's not – I realize when you never practice it, it's difficult, but they should practice it and, and, and do that. Heck, bunt. Jim Tomey could beat out a bunt to third against the defenses that are set up today. If there's no one there, yeah. Yeah, there's 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 nobody over it, there. It doesn't even have to be a, a good bunt. It can be a it can be a hard push bunt. Just over has to, to get by the over to third base. Yeah, it just has to get by him. It either has to be a great bunt right down the line or a mediocre bunt that gets past the pitcher. That's all it has to be. And I think Grandall saw that. <laughs> I think he did when he. Uh, it, it wasn't clear with the swing if he was trying to do that. I don't believe he was, but uh, or just the checking. Fact, yeah, the fact that it worked. But you know, you do it. Do the check swing thing. It, it doesn't matter if nobody's there. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how fast it's going. 
There is not a defender on that side of the field. You're not, you know, all you're doing is trying to get to first. Uh, it, it was a very promising moment where I, I just thought, wow, if Grandal can even just do that once a week, even if it's not successful every time, but if he can just do it and hint at the fact that he can do it, and then you get that shift off of him, and then he can just start ripping those balls to, to right field, I mean, that's going to change your – all the batting average uh, critics of Grandall are going to have to change their outlook a little bit because he will, he'll start hitting for average in that scenario. Uh, but that, that hit and, and Bonds, you know, it's kind of like we, we're watching this with Jesse Winker uh, right now and also in, in video game version of Jesse Winker that I'm playing for MLB The Show. Every single time he comes up to bat, they talk about the splits. Every single time. Jesse Winker – cannot hit a left-handed pitcher. He cannot do it. Those splits are bonkers. They're so bonkers that everyone talks about it every at-bat, <laughs> uh, which is kind of what Vaughn was. Vaughn was so bad against right-handers that it was kind of a joke to even play him against a right-hander, uh, and so good against left-handers that it was kind of a joke to throw a left-hander against him. Uh if we can get to a place where, as you said, Vaughn is even average going to the right side, where we're not having these Jesse Winker conversations, where we're talking about a, a guy whose splits are, he's obviously always going to hit well against lefties and, and better against lefties. But if we can bring that righty average up to, you know, the 260 range, something like that, then you're, you're talking about a whole different ball game with Andrew Vaughn. You, you really are. And, and I was, I think, even vocal on this podcast, maybe a, a few, a couple weeks ago, our first one back, where I said, "Hey, trade him, trade him." You know, if if he can get you something great, get him, get 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 that big star, get that pitcher. I'm now off that. I apologize to Vaughn, who I know him and all of his friends listen to the podcast every week. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I now would not trade Vaughn for really anything uh it's just not worth it he's the the ceiling the ceiling's too high for whatever we would get for him uh you know montas not worth it if montas was under four years of control different story but even at just two years no way no way and you're obviously never trading bond for a rental you're never going to trade him for a guy on an expiring contract ever 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 uh so I, you know, I, I, I feel pretty good about that, um, especially with Abreu aging. I think, you know, next year we we see a lot more, if Abreu comes back, we see a lot more of him sort of supporting Vaughn. Um, sheets, I'm perfectly comfortable trading. I, I'm not all in on sheets like some people are. I think he's fine. I think he's a good hitter. He's, he can hit the ball a very, very long way, but so can a lot of bad hitters. And I mean, he's not a bad hitter. He's he's okay. Uh, I thought the few times he played first base last year, he did it very badly. It could be just that he didn't get to play very often. Don't know, but he didn't do it well. Uh, Vaughn is certainly not a good outfielder, but he can cope. And Sheets really can't. And also, Vaughn is not supposed to be an outfielder. Right. So. No, but I'm saying we're we're trying to adjust. Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, like, you know, we don't even get to see Bond play the position he's supposed to play. We have seen Sheets play first. 
Uh, Sheets is definitely not a good outfielder. He shouldn't be in the outfield at all. And and we haven't seen anything interesting from him at first base. I think what you said about there are a lot of guys who can hit like Sheets is exactly right. There's a lot of guys who can hit 220 and smash some dingers and play bad defense. That's not a guy you need to hold on to. Um, I would also be comfortable getting rid of Berger at some point. I, I don't see the huge upside there. Uh, we weirdly still have Mike Rodolfo in the system, which was a I'm sort surprised. of sh- shocking I'm really surprised thing. that somebody like the Pirates or Orioles didn't pick him up. I totally agree. I, you know, I'm not. Uh, there are some people who die on the Mike Rodolfo hill on Twitter. I don't do that at all. Uh, but to see no one take him was really surprising, considering he. He does have some interesting numbers. He has some interesting skills. Uh, he's got he's got power. Um, I but I agree. What were the pirate? What what are the pirates doing? <laughs> do they play? And, are and the pirates they, are the pirates they, playing this year? Pay. Super cheap, as cheap as you can get. I I just don't understand what the pirates, what Baltimore, what the Diamondbacks like. What <laughs> are I haven't been paying attention. Are those teams still teams? Are they playing this year? I, I don't think so. Although Brewers fans would say, yes, they are, because we keep losing to the Orioles. Uh, yeah, I uh, I don't know. And then we have uh, – so let's talk uh, – before we have to wrap up, let's talk a little bit more about these other injuries. We've got Giolito, who we think is going to be gone for a few weeks. Uh, they're saying two starts, optimistically. Yeah, and I think that was – lately they've been saying more about it being optimistic. Yes, um, they, they did start throwing in the word optimistic this week. Uh, Lynn, Lynn who, I think, optimistic beginning of June now. Yeah, I yeah, I think that's a good optimistic take on, on where we could see Lynn. The big issue with Lynn is not – for me, it's not when are we going to see him again – it's when we see him again, is he going to be able to really put all the weight on that knee? Because if he can't, it's useless. It's, it, yeah, it's, then, you got, then you got three weeks and we're gone again. Yeah. Um, Moncada, I think we will see very soon. Um, you know, they're, they're talking Although, about... You know, let's, let's say a word of praise for Josh Harrison. He did a good job over at third base. Josh Harrison did a really nice job. I, you know, I, we actually both have been very pro the Josh Harrison yeah. signing. Uh, I, I think he fits nicely with the team when he's at second and Tim's at short. It's also pretty cool. I was looking at numbers today. The only black middle infield in baseball, which I think is wow. pretty awesome. That, I mean, it's not awesome that it's the only one, but it's great that we have that. Uh, Tim and Josh are both very outspoken on, on getting young black kids into baseball, and we need that. The, the numbers were kind of shocking. Uh, in 1981, it was 17% of the league was black, and we're now down to 7.2%. And, and the problem is, and Major League Baseball knows this, and they've been trying to build in Chicago and, and I think every other major city, they're building ballparks in inner city neighborhoods where they can black kids just quit playing baseball. And that's the black stars that you saw for a long time were the sons of major leaguers. Ken Griffey Jr. being the most prominent, but he wasn't 
the only one. It was it was the Bond family. Um, they just it was all basketball, some football. Uh, do you think that the ordinary sized kids who aren't six nine or two hundred eighty pounds would be thinking baseball? But really, we're not. And major leagues are are working as best they can to get that back, but they haven't been hugely successful. And I think uh, something that really helps with that is a player like Tim Anderson, who shows a lot more emotion, shows a lot more excitement for the game. Uh, Classic baseball, as it were. I mean, I get why kids would be less interested. It's slow. It's really, really slow, and it can be really boring. Tim ups the stakes of every moment of a baseball game. He's very good. Uh, Got a great reputation in the community. And I I love his attitude. He even says, like, you know, people like Josh and I are responsible for the next generation of black baseball players. We are responsible for that because we have to show these kids that baseball, his exact quote was, got to show them that baseball's cool. And I I think that's exactly the right mentality. There's, There's no way to fake it with kids. You have to show them something fun and exciting. You have to show them heroes who are allowed to show their uh, emotion and their excitement. And that's what we get from Tim and Josh. I, I think it's an awesome combo. You know, do I think Harrison is, is an elite talent? No, of course not. Not at, not at age 34, but uh, he has got a lot left in the tank that I think is really, really interesting for this team. And he also is having fun. Signing. He's having fun. He's, he's absolutely having fun. As I said, when, when we signed him, a lot of White Sox Twitter were saying, oh, great, this is what we signed. And I was like, no, this guy fits on this team. This guy makes sense with this group of players. He's got Tim energy. He's got Eloy energy. He's got Jose energy. Like, these these are, these are guys who gel in their passion for the game and their excitement for the game. And I think that's one thing that really sets us aside from the North Side team is I think we are the exciting guys to watch. I think our team reflects Chicago a lot more than the Northside team does, even though there is a Cubs player I like now in Suzuki, which I never thought I would say ever again. But my God, what a fun guy to watch. He is special. Wish we had gotten him. Uh, but yeah. Yes, it's, so of course, as you know, that was my whole offseason plan. Let's, yeah. let's, let's get that's, yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's get, Suzuki, let's get Suzuki. Let's get Suzuki. It's it's very and early it's, and no no one's had to figure it out yet, but his contract's a steal at this point. <laughs> like he's 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 looking really good. I mean, you know, just since we're we're on the the sort of uh demographics of baseball, what we are seeing from Asian and Asian American players right now is also extremely exciting. I mean, you've got Quan in, in, in Cleveland who seems to only be on base. I, I, you know, in the first three, four games, he was on base 15 times, uh, <laughs> which is just insane. You've got Suzuki. The Cubs win a game yesterday 2-0 because he has two solo home runs. <laughs> he's, he's single-handedly holding up that team like Luis is doing for us. Of course, Otani. Uh, being the, the clear example. But it's really exciting what we're seeing in, in terms of those demographics in baseball. And I hope that uh, the White Sox can have a great year so we can see Tim and Josh inspire the next generation of, of young black 
baseball players as well. Um, I do think that's about all the time we have for today. Do you have any other thoughts before we move on? We've got Seattle coming up for a couple more games, uh, and then we will play uh, why am, uh, Tampa. Is it Tampa right after Seattle? I, I believe so. Yeah, we get yeah, to so, yeah. So as I said last week, the beginning of the season's no slouch for us. We're going to learn a lot about how this team can play against good opponents before we get into facing the minor leagues uh, in the NL Central and the AL Central for a good chunk of the summer. Uh, but yeah, any any other thoughts before we uh, wrap up? Yeah, let's go beat Robbie Ray. Let's go beat Robbie Ray. Let's make him split those tight, 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 tight pants. <laughs> Um, you know, he has become one of my wife's, uh, one of the players that interests her the most because the tight pants are hysterical. She thinks that his Seattle pants are not quite as tight as his Toronto pants. I think it's camera angles, maybe humidity differences, playing indoor versus outdoor. Uh, those babies are still snug as a bug in a rug. Uh, so we got to see, uh, we got to see if we can split those bad boys because they're splitting at some point this year. They're going to split, and I hope it's against us. Uh, but, yeah, let's see if the battle of the Cy Youngs, as you said, um, Kai Cole and Ray, one of them has won it more recently than the other. I'll let you guess which. Uh, but we'll see how that goes, if they even play today, which it's not looking good. Um, but, yeah, that's all we have for this week. Got a big week of baseball ahead, and we will see you next time on Sharing Side.